Welcome to the Busy Mumsy Podcast, Season 2. I'm your forever coffee-infused host, Ashley Verma, and we are all here weekly to share the ups, downs, and all-arounds of the wild world of parenting. A safe space, a Lego-free space, to vent, to inspire, and well, perhaps this is the only adult conversation you hear all day. What is Adia doing? A, B, C, D. <laughs> is that funny? So each week, I will be joined by a fellow striving, thriving, and surviving busy mumsy. We learn together. We grow together. Hell, we cheers with an adult bevy when necessary. I get it. I am human and failures simply happen. I am not shiny and I am never filtered unapologetically. I am at its best. Even when the dishes aren't done, there's crayon on the wall, and well, my hair hasn't been washed in forever. I am Busy Mumsy. My glorious Busy Mumsy's Ash here. How you doing? How you feeling? It's midweek. It's a Wednesday. It's time for a Busy Mumsy chat, but do we need to have a collective sigh, a collective breath together? Let's do it. Back to school. We're in the thick of it. Let's breathe again. (sighs) Yeah, it's good. Adia's first few days, not going to lie, they were great. They were bad. They were sour. They were salty. They were sweet. They were all the feels. Today, I'll even say it was good. We had a good drop off. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling like I'm in some sort of schedule with her and, you know, she likes me. She loves me. I'm maybe in the naughty chair, all of the things. It is what it is, right? But um, (laughs) so I hope that I am sending you some positive vibes right now if you need it and a virtual hug always needed. So if you need to take that big, deep breath again, let's do it. (sighs) Yeah, that felt grounding. Well, Today, I feel like I'm going to be very grounded and centered after this talk. You know, like when you come across someone or you meet someone and you're like, wow, like their energy. I'm excited about today's guest because I feel like her energy is just going to be like just what I needed and perhaps what you need. Well, today I am welcoming Alicia Fernandez Miranda onto the Busy Mumsy podcast. She hails from Miami. She is a co-author of 50 Years Kinlock Lodge, and her writing has been featured in Vogue, Business Insider, Romper, Huffington Post, and the list goes on and on and on. She's a graduate of Harvard University and the London School of Economics. So you can already probably go like, wait a minute, she's traveling a lot. She's got quite the background in education. Yes, she does. Well, she currently lives in Scotland. What? Wow. And she recently has launched... Another book, a memoir, My What If Year. It's absolutely fascinating. So I actually came across Alicia's platform through Zibby Owens, who was a recent Busy Mumsy podcast guest. And Zibby has a media um, company as well as Zibby Books. So if you don't know Zibby Books, I highly, highly recommend it, as I already did, but I'm going to do it again. I highly recommend that you jump on that platform It has some of the most influential women I've ever come across. And Alicia 
is one of them. I am so excited to meet her, to hear about her new memoir, My What If Year, and just hear how she is juggling everything in Scotland with her husband and twins. So let's dive on into this week's Busy Mumsy Chat. Alicia Fernandez Miranda, welcome to the Busy Mumsy Podcast. Thank you. I am so excited to be here. Oh, and do you, do you hear that voice, my Busy Mumsies? That is an American voice. That is an American voice. That's coming right. That <laughs> but she is not in America. Alicia is not in America. Where are you right now? I am in Edinburgh, Scotland. Oh, my home, no. My, in my home. I, I, I actually want, want to hear what, what is your best Scottish accent go? Oh my God, I can't do it. Uh, I've been, I've been, I, I sing in a choir. We sing musical theater songs actually. And we are performing um, at the Fringe Festival this week on Thursday and Friday. And our finale song is 500 Miles from the musical Sunshine on Leith by the Proclaimers, famous Edinburgh band. And so in the instruction, they've been like, okay, well make sure you do this in your Scottish accent. And I'm like, um... What does that mean? So I said I have to roll my R's. I have to say like 500 miles. But I think I just sound Cuban when I say that. I don't think I sound I, Scottish I'm at not going to lie. I, I think your Cuban-American just came out. I know. <laughs> I'm like, I can roll my R's. Is that the same? And they're like, it's, it's not the same. So luckily, we're also singing Oklahoma. So at least oh, I, have, I have a home, a home court advantage with that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Will you please send me a recording? Oh, maybe. Maybe I will. <laughs> How long have you been in Scotland for? I have been in Scotland, well, sort of officially since the end of 2020. Um, and I've been in the UK for 16 years. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Then I have to ask. So I lived there for seven years. My, my husband's British. Is your husband British? No. He's no, also okay. Cuban-American from a Miami family. We're just Cuban-American, really a little bit up <laughs> your nose with a roll of the R. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. I, okay, I found being there, and I'm desperately trying to get, like, to hit myself in the back of the head to knock it out of me. My, I, I find myself, like, rounding words that sound a little bit more British. And I'm like, snap out of it. I'm not trying. I'm not trying. Like, I'm not trying to pull a Madonna. This is not what is happening. Like, it just, like, when you're, I guess, around it for so long. Totally. And then you start, like, you start using those words, like, oh, I'll pop over there. And you're like. I would never say that. I'd be like down around the corner. Like I'm exactly. from West Virginia. Like, we're down over there. I think I think some people have a more maybe adaptable ear for languages than I guess I do. So, you know, I have twins and they were both born here. And my daughter sounds like she's from somewhere in the US. She sounds very American with the occasional English or Scottish word thrown in there. And my son sounds like he's from central London and never been anywhere else in his life. Even though they are twins, they've been raised in the same house, gone to the same schools, you know, exactly the same. And my husband tells a really funny story of in uh, early reception, which is like pre-K, my daughter had a Northern Irish teacher and my husband was with them at the park and a woman approached them and asked, after hearing my daughter speak for a while, if the mother was Irish. And my husband was like, no, she's just picked that accent up from her teacher. So I do think that some people are better at adapting and fitting in. You know, my, I do, I use a lot of British vocabulary because I've been here for so long, but I think, I don't, I don't think this accent is going anywhere. <laughs> I, I, I immediately think that your son is like sitting there on the park bench going, no, mom, I was made in Chelsea, love. I was made 
in Chelsea. <laughs> That's not far off. Although he would get, he thinks he is American, but it's, he um, sounds so English. It's, it's very, very, it's funny. I mean, I'm sure you've got the same thing with kids who've lived in different places, you know, that they, they construct their identity in uh, unique ways. You kind of have to, when you are a person of multiple cultures. I mean, listen, my daughter, American mother, British father, we're in Uganda. She is like so confused as to what she's supposed to say. <laughs> so she like, when in doubt, is like, you come. And that is like such a Ugandan <laughs> thing. Us. So like, you're, three. you're three, you come. <laughs> I like that. She knows what she wants. She is a girl that knows what she wants. I can't handle it. I love it too much. Well, Alicia, you have had quite the year and we're not even done with it yet. Ooh. I, for one, want the year to be over with, but you've had an amazing year. <laughs> and again, this podcast is not about me. This is about the guests. So more importantly, over to you. So my what if year, my goodness, you are CEO, girl boss, mama bear of twins, uh, a writer, a, a podcast host. Um, before we know it, friend, she's going to take over this podcast. <laughs> You've written your memoir, My What If Year. It's a, I, I love the title. I love what, it's, what it is about. But my question for you first, before we go into the book and really dive into that, is now that you've written it and then reflecting more on your kids, your kids are 11, they'll be 12, what is your what if year with raising twins? Like, would you change? Is there something in there that you would like magically change? Like, could you just kind of like envision that, like w what it was, or instead of just focusing on career path mm. and me? I mean, you know, that being being a mom and working has always been inextricable for me. I think I was lucky to have my kids in the UK, so I had a very long maternity leave. I was able to take 14 months off of my job at the time, which is when Americans hear that, like they like when I, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, now a, a start breaking things. <laughs> officially signed off the podcast. Like as I'm not listening to her, but on and on about two months. I know it was, it was, I, I mean, I was super ready to go back, but I, you know, for me, it was never financially. It wasn't an option that I wasn't going to go back to work. And also just intellectually, like after nine months, I was climbing the walls. I needed something else to do besides singing nursery rhymes. So I don't really know how to separate the two things because they are the same for me. So when I had my what if career year, of course there was a huge impact on what it meant for being a mom. And in some of my experiences, that meant being away from my children for, you know, periods of time um, and having to deal with that, which was tough for them. In others, you know, I think in the internships that I was doing where I was around, I was more present. I mean, I think that my whole experience of going off, leaving my job, taking these internships, kind of changing everything about how I work absolutely changed the way that I parent and the kind of mother that I am. And if I was going to have like a what if year with my kids, I don't know. I probably have a lot of nannies around to help, to be honest. <laughs> what if I had extra childcare? No, I'm just kidding. I mean, you know, and they are at, they're at that preteen stage where like diving headfirst into adolescence. I have a boy and a girl, so I'm getting all the all the feels and all the emotions on both sides. But I think that the experience for me of taking this leap in my work has made my kids feel more confident in trying different things as people and in feeling with their own 
academic and professional future ahead of them, that there's not just one path and there's one way to go. And if you have a British spouse, you know that the British education system is very much about focusing in very early on that one thing you're really good at and doing that forever and forever and forever. And that's always something that's worried me about raising my kids here and bringing them up in the UK. And I think my what if year has given them the experience of not necessarily feeling like there's just one thing they have to go do. So I hope that has been a positive impact on them. I guess we'll see what happens. We'll go back to leaving them for the first time and like going away for a, a longer chunk of time than expected. I mean, the, the most that I've been away from my daughter is 48 hours and that's it. Wow. And, and we're, we're going to embark we're, we're on a trip coming up and, um, it will be a little longer than that. So then I'll get to say, oh, it was four days. What was it like for you? I mean, 48 hours is kind of like, a, you know, confetti being popped out of a cannon, right? right? Like you're back before you know it. And I'm like, wait a minute, what just happened? Did I time travel? Whereas like a longer chunk of time has a lot more to your day, how you're structuring it to then somehow be present with totally. them virtually, on the phone, through Zoom, Skype, like whatever that may be. So like, how, how was that for you? Any, any tips on that as well that you learned on the other end of it? Whew. So the first time I left my kids for an extended period of time, I think they were maybe about 18 months old and I had to go to China for um, a previous job. And, uh, you know, I left obviously the longest laundry list of instructions for my husband. We had a nanny at the time as well because I was working full time and the, like my second night in China, uh, my husband let it slip that he had to take my daughter to urgent care, like the, you know, kind of overnight because she had this horrible cough that was like not going away. And he wasn't going to tell me. And I was furious at him because I was like, how, how dare you? Like, this is our child. How could you not tell me what's going on? I could do something. He was like, listen, you're on the other side of the world. You can't really do anything. It's not serious enough for you to come back. So... I wasn't going to tell you. And he did the same thing to me uh, on another trip when my son broke his arm and I had to find out from like a school mom that this happened. I was with my daughter and he was back home with my son. So, you know, I've had a lot of experience, I guess, of being away and of sometimes things going wrong when, when I'm away. It's happened more than once. Um, and so by the time I took off for this longer stretch of time, the longest period I was going to be gone away from my family it was about two and a half weeks, almost three weeks, because they were supposed to come to New York and join me for the last part of my internship. And then COVID screwed all of that up and they weren't able to come over and I had to go turn around and go home. Um, and, you know, weirdly, I actually think it's gotten more challenging to be away. When they were little, I was so worried about leaving them. And I don't think they really noticed I was gone. I don't know if it's because they have a different conception of time. I think now that they're older, they're old enough to complain when I when I leave. <laughs> For periods of time and mommy um, does, it, does it this way daddy does it that way exactly and they and they miss me and they miss me is what it comes down to and I miss them as well um but it's different because they're home doing their normal routine and I'm not there I'm away doing something like usually fantastic and really really fun and so I do miss them but I'm also appreciating all these other things that I'm getting to do whereas they're just home and mom's not here so you know it's been a negotiation I love traveling. I love the fact that I get to travel for work. I've always loved that. But I realize that especially the older they get, the more they need me here. So 
I guess my ugh, tips, oh my God, I don't know. But I think, I think, you know, I have never felt a ton of guilt about leaving because um, first of all, I leave things very organized when I go, which is my way of coping with being away. The meals are organized. The plans are organized. Everybody knows exactly what they're supposed to do. Um, I think it's good for them to have time with their dad and on their own without me, you know, and kind of negotiate that. And we set, we set some terms, like, you know, especially if I'm in a different time zone, now the kids are old enough, so I'll say, okay, well, I'm going to be in meetings this time, so if you want to talk to me after school, this has to be the time that we chat. If you go and you're watching TV and you forget that, I'm not going to have time to talk later, so let's figure this out. You know, they always know where I'm going, what I'm doing, and I really try to engage them when I'm away. So I want them to know about my day. I send them videos and photos of everything I'm doing. You know, I think it has been really important for them to see me as, of course, their mother, but as this person who has another life, who has dreams that I am exploring, who has goals that I'm trying to achieve. And in order to do that, I need to talk to them about what I'm doing. I need to be open and communicate that with them. And so I guess that would be my tip. If you're away from your kids, you know, make sure they know that it's important, that it's not that you don't want to be there with them or that you're not with them, but that you're going to explore this other thing. And that that's really cool. And you want them to see pictures and feel part of it. And I brought my kids on my the first half of my book tour. When the that's book what I wanted to February. ask. What was it like traveling with your kids? And because you are you were a jet setter prior to having kids, like what has massively changed for you? Or are you still very much like structured, organized, da-da-da, and they just like fall in line? <laughs> I, um, I, I had to do a snap for you, Alicia. I had to do like a snap because I I like like to think that that's what happens with my Mary Poppins snap when I travel with with my daughter, but we we, we had a really bad travel, but we've only had one bad travel out and we've traveled a lot. Yeah. I mean, so to your first question, book tour was amazing. It was incredible because I got to do such cool stuff on my book tour that I never expected. When I was writing the book, I didn't even know it was going to get published, much less fall in with Zibby, much less have the kind of reception that it did. My being able to bring my kids to Good Morning America and they, they stood outside and watched my book. I mean, totally surreal moment for me and for them. So it was truly amazing. I have to shout out my mom and dad came with me on the all, all of my book tour as well, except the last few stops, which I did alone. And my husband was there. So I could not have been a full and present mother and done everything I needed to do for book tour. I had like an army of help, which was pretty important. It takes a village. And it's important to do that. Like I I couldn't sit here right now and chat with you. I could. She would be on my shoulders or (laughs) – Exactly. It would would literally be like Pippin on Broadway all over again. So, you know, she's with with my Like, Oh, my God. I love it. Magic. Like she is with my nanny right now on a trampoline at a play park. Like that is how we do this. This is yeah. how we schedule this. And and even when they're older and more able to like, you know, feed and water themselves, you know, you really, they, they do need, I do so need all these other people that are bringing them other things that I can't bring them in my life. So I've been very, very fortunate. Hands down, the only way I've been able to do any of this professionally is because I've had a very supportive partner. And because I've had nannies at various times who have stepped in and helped me. And because my mom and dad really have kind of done that. So book tour was out of this world. My daughter keeps asking when I'm going to have another book out so she can come on book tour. She's obsessed with book tour. She thinks book tour is like the best vacation 
ever. They got to miss a week of school. They ate, I think they ate nothing but pizza probably for like two weeks. And so they just had the best time, but it was so cool because, you know, I had gone and done these internships. It all happened in the middle of COVID. We had a very, you know, for everybody, it was such a stressful time. Then I'm writing, writing, writing this book and I'm working on this book and all of this, they don't see, they don't really kind of understand or appreciate what's happening. And yeah, books so were made it real for them. Like, right? Like with that book tour, that's like the magical like cherry on top, right? That happened that you never expected. Rewind back to the moment you have twins, you're in other work as a CEO, your husband is working, you're now in a new country. When is this aha moment of, I want to write, I feel inspired, this is my next journey, this is my next quest, to come up with the idea, my what if year, I mean, that in itself is genius, but also scary. And also like, how do you even wake up one day and just go, this is it. This is what I'm doing. And where, and also, I'm sorry, I have to ask too, where did the cojones, like, where did this like <laughs> confidence come from? Because like, I guess like you're like, for me, like I'm coming from I danced my whole life. Like I knew from six and every guidance counselor will tell everyone, Ashley is going to be on Broadway. So when I was on Broadway, it wasn't shocking. Mm-hmm. Like, there. Of course. Cause, because that, that is all I, that is the only vo- vocabulary that I knew. So it's like, you had this other trajectory then, then you just stopped and then you just pivoted. Like where does the confidence and the kahanas and like, how did this all happen? Sorry, I could go on for days. No, I, I mean, but this, it's, this is funny, Ashley, because I think there was not, I did not just wake up one morning and like know what to do. And I, I think it seemed, because the title's like, oh my, what if you're like, I just woke up and was like, I'm throwing away my CEO job. I'm going to do these internships, like peace out everybody. And that's just not, that's not at all how it happened. I think it was a much slower process that really came to a head. So I had my twins. I was doing, I wasn't CEO yet. I was working for a big bank. Uh, the day that I found out I was pregnant with twins, um, just a week before my husband had decided to leave his job and we had decided to set up this consulting business that I was going to still hold down the fort of a full-time steady job. And he was going to take this adventure and I was going to help him run it. We were going to do it together. And then I found out I was having twins. Now we had IVF, so it's not like it was a huge surprise. It was a very pleasant surprise, but, um, all of that sort of happened at once. And, So I spent the first few years of their life working for other people. And then finally, when the twins were four, the business was uh, kind of established enough that it made sense for me to come on full time as well. And then I took over as CEO when the twins were six. So there was this kind of like steady upward trajectory of work getting more intense, but also because it was our business had complete flexibility. So, you know, in many points I remember like absolutely killing myself to make this happen. But I was there, you know, Tuesdays, 930, I was reading to the class and then I would be running off to take a meeting and then, you know, doing my whole day, pick them up, put them to bed, back at work in the evening. So I was absolutely burning the candle at both ends. If there's more than two ends to a candle, I was burning all of the ends of the candle. But I think that when my kids were finally at an age where I was not focused on everything they were doing all the time. They were starting to develop their own lives. They were seven, almost eight. They were at school all day. They had their own friends and activities. And all of a sudden, instead of constantly 
feeling like I needed to be focused on everything they were doing, which is what I had done for like the first eight years, plus trying to work and survive and grow a company. I, I all of a sudden had this time to think about myself, which hadn't happened since before they were born. And when I started thinking about, okay, this is it. This is everything I ever wanted. Here I am. I, it was like crickets or worse. I was not happy. I had done all of these things that I had set out to do. And yet I found myself at what should have been the pinnacle of my career and just not feeling like I was in the right place and had my 40th birthday just around the corner. You know, I had these twins. We had a thriving and successful business. And so when the thought first popped into my head and I woke up and I was like, oh, it would be fun to go try these other jobs. I ignored it. I ignored it for so long because it seemed too scary. It seemed like too big of a risk to make a pivot and change. And it took me getting to the point where I was really, really unhappy, where I the things that normally brought me joy were not bringing me joy anymore. I was crying a lot. I just I felt like there was no way out of the situation I was in. And that is what it really took for me to decide to take the step to have this what if year. It was because the risk of not doing it had become greater than the risk of doing it. Wow. Wow. Okay. And then you dive into the journey of interning and the ups and the downs of that. Was it multiple different internships or just one, one focused or? So the original plan was to do five internships over the course of a year. I had sort of a very long list of what I wanted to do. And so I, once I was like, okay, I'm going to do this, or at least I'm going to try one. Then it took me like six months to actually <laughs> land anything. Um, I attacked the project with gusto, but it was very, very difficult to get people to pay attention to me, to call me back. So this grand plan of like these exact internships I wanted to do kind of flew out the window. And then I was like, okay, I'm basically going to do anything anybody allows me to do in the broad fields that I've always loved. Um, and so I had lined up, I had two already set to go. I had a lot of other feelers out there and I left for my first internship on February 29th, 2020. And I was supposed to be in New York for a month working on Broadway and off Broadway. And sure enough, if you think back to that great time of early spring, 2020, things did not go as planned. Um, but I did in spite of COVID and various lockdowns, I did end up doing four internships uh, over the course of about nine months. Um, so I worked on Broadway and off Broadway, although that was cut short. I worked for a retro dance and fitness company. I was a virtual intern for that during the first lockdown. I worked for a contemporary art dealer. And then I worked for a beautiful hotel and restaurant on the Isle of Skye in Scotland. Wow. I, I just find this all so unbelievably fascinating. Did, <laughs> did it all during a pandemic while a lot of people were melting. I was also melting, by the way. This was like my coping mechanism. <laughs> no, I, I mean, come on. We, we all needed a coping mechanism and therapy. And I had a newborn, so I didn't know which oh, end was God. up at the time. I was just like crying and training people and oh, God. bouncing her with a foot. So it was, it just is what it is. What... Did you find not only just like from writing and the experience, but your parenting skills from doing these different internships, did you find that your parenting shifted, changed a lot? And what did you learn and grow from, from these experiences? Hmm. I mean, I think, I think there were two, I would say two main categories of things and they're, they're kind of both connected 
to both of those questions. So I grew and changed as a person enormously throughout the course of doing this year of internships. And one of the biggest things that I learned is that I had been operating in a certain way since I was very young, almost on autopilot, with one definition of what success was going to look like and one idea of who I was and what I was good at and what I was capable of doing. And that was the path I was on and there was no diverting from that path. And having these experiences where I was in these brand new fields where I had never experienced, I was doing creative work, which I had never done professionally ever. I was bad at a lot of stuff while I was doing these internships. I, I sucked at so many parts of it. And all of this was necessary to kind of renegotiate like my whole identity. And so I came out of it realizing that I had decided I was a certain way at some point and that actually I didn't need to be that way. And I could be different and I could explore different things. And I could, instead of being a person who always had to be good at everything, I could do some things that I liked that I was maybe bad at and the world was not going to fall apart. That I needed to do more things that made me uncomfortable because that gave me that buzz that I had been missing, like that kind of energy that had been coming back. So all of that really changed and of course had a major effect on how I parent my kids. So one was taking all those learnings and bringing that into my parenting in a time of, as you recall, having a baby, you know, the twins were eight, nine, 10 during COVID. I had, you know, pre-pre-adolescence was incredibly stressful. I think for everybody, it was stressful, but you know, people were dealing with that in different ways. Homeschooling my kids, I was horrible at that. And, but you know, I had to, I had to take all of those things and reflecting on myself in that way made me reflect on how I parent them and how I counsel them to think about success, how I push them to get out of their comfort zone if they don't feel like it. So that was all a really big part of it. And the second thing was just, I was a happier, more confident person in so many ways that I was a better mom because I felt better about myself. And it was that old adage of putting on your oxygen mask first. I think I had not been taking care of myself for a long time. I had been so focused on taking care of other people. And when I took the time to really deal with all of the things that I was dealing with, to put myself in a position where I felt, okay, now I feel like I'm pursuing the life that I want to be pursuing at this moment right now, I, I became better at a lot of things. And parenting is one of them. And I think it was because I felt better and happier. You know, I, you might be like, Ashley, this is just a really shit question. So no, we're going to pass this. But like, I immediately think. <laughs> Am I allowed to do that? I'm just kidding. Yeah, you can pass. Um, I, I immediately think like you are someone, like you said, that is structured and this is the path I was on, essentially like what I was. Like, I was doing Broadway and that is what it was, right? I don't ever, like, if I had to go the route of IVF, I would take the route of IVF. I had my daughter and we just happened to get pregnant. IVF is something that you cannot control. Like it is, you are at the mercy of going through a process, right? So this made me instantly, while, while you were sharing your journey, I instantly think, my God, you went through IVF before all of this. Do you feel like your beautiful confidence, the absolute cojones that you had to then go on this path with writing this book and everything really stems from an, like a reflection back to your journey through IVF. Cause that is 
such a commitment. And I, I mean, I have many friends that have gone through it and some are very successful and others not so much. Mm. And they're asked, like, do you, do you find that you reflect back to that time in your life? I think now, you know, almost 12, almost 13 years really on from that experience, I I have processed it. I've written about it. I can think and talk about it more. It was so traumatic for me at the time. And IVF came after a very late loss, a discovery that both my husband and I had were carriers of a recessive gene uh, that was fatal and that we needed to have IVF in order to do pre-implantation genetic diagnosis to remove or to essentially test all the embryos for that gene. So what never, what I had never, never thought was going to be my path became my path. And I went into thank you IVF. For sharing that, by the way, I'm sorry to cut in, but thank no, you no, for no. sharing. I, you can totally and and I can talk about it now. I'm glad I can talk about it because at the time, one, I was completely traumatized and not able to talk about it and embarrassed. But two, it's very important to me that I think it's getting better, but there still is like a stigma in talking about these sorts of things. And so I've written, I've I've written about it. I've written in Vogue about it. I've written in um, what was my other piece that I wrote about IVF? I think uh, the good. Good trade? I think I forgot. It's on my all on my website, but I wrote, you know, I've now written about it, and it's really important to me actually that I'm not I'm not embarrassed or ashamed or feel even really super emotional talking about it now because I've had the luxury of time and benefit, and I had a positive outcome. I had two healthy children, which is you know more than I ever could have dreamed. So I came into IVF with <laughs> I had this background on my phone that just said failure is not an option, and I had just decided that this was going to work no matter what this was going to work. And I was so focused and I approached IVF. Like I kind of did everything in my life to that point. I was very structured. I was in a structured workout routine. I was eating. I, when I started IVF, I was in the best shape of my life. Like I had never been healthier probably. And it was because I wanted to do everything possible for it to work. But that whole experience, my entire sort of fertility journey and the journey to having my children taught me that life is very short and very fragile and unexpected things can happen at any point. And so confidence, yeah. I've always been like a pretty confident person. I'm, I thank my parents for that. And plenty of moments of insecurity throughout my entire life. And there's lots of them in the book. You can read about them. But, you know, that's one thing. But also this real awareness of how little time we have. And I think that that is part of what gave me the cojones as you call them to do this. Because it was just, I couldn't stand to be in a position where I was just living my life and I wasn't living it to the fullest because we only get one and you don't know how long it's going to last. So it was almost like this, like I can't, I can't stay here in this place where I'm very unhappy. I have to take this leap and try these new things because I don't want to look back 10 years from now and think, crap, I really should have done that then before all these other things happen. So it's like weirdly morbid, I guess, going through life thinking that something terrible can happen at any moment, but also it's kind of true. And it inspires me to take probably more chances than I would have before that whole experience happened because it was a real wake-up call for how quickly things can change and how if you're having a good day and things are good and you have the structure and the situation set up to go live this dream and experience it, then, then why not? I almost felt like I had to do it. Absolutely. Well, you are on the trajectory of up, 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 and you're sailing and you're, you are touring and the book is everywhere. What is in the pipeline for my what if year? What is next for you? And, uh, you know, you got to ask the question of 
what's when is the next book? <laughs> so you're gonna help. So I've written a draft of a novel that's out on submission at the moment. So I'm hoping someone's naturally let me whip it out and just show you right here. That's very exciting. I'm also I'm I've start I've been I've been thinking about another memoir and not not really sure what to write about, but I'm, I'm kind of honing in on that. So I'm writing. I love writing was like my surprise internship. I didn't think I was going to write a book out of this. When I started writing, I just absolutely fell in love with writing. And so that has become the thing that I'm spending most of my time on now. So still writing plenty, some exciting things. I've got some more events in the fall back in the U S for my what if year. So I'll be at the Zibby retreat in Miami in November and the Miami book fair, which is like the total bucket list moment for me. I grew up in Miami. I went to the book fair every year when I was a kid. Like, it's very, very exciting. Um, some other exciting news with my what if year that I can't quite share yet, but just like watch this space. There are things going on. And, you know, my, my constant uh, challenge is trying to take all the things I learned from my experience and still implement them in my everyday life because I think it is very you know, I sort of had this explosion and this enthusiasm of feeling and I had this great, incredible year and I was like, I'm going to do all these things differently. And it's very easy to fall back into old patterns and habits. So making sure that I'm continuing to push myself, doing things like this choir that I'm performing in, stand-up paddleboarding, which I'm so bad at, but actually really enjoy, you know, trying to continue to make the sorts of choices that were so clear to me when I finished this book and making sure that that becomes a sustainable practice in my everyday life it takes up a surprising amount of time. <laughs> I love it. And your kids just get to watch you flourish as well. And they, they gain so much from it. I think that it's so important for, for anyone listening that like, just go and try and you, your kids will applaud you along the way. They, they want to see you smile and be successful, right? Like it's, I it totally gives them so. power that energy, like all of the good stuff. And I know that people have so many different circumstances and are dealing with so many different pressures and things that make it difficult for them to do, to try new things or to step out of their comfort zone. But I will say that I don't ever think your, your kids will resent you for chasing after something that you feel really passionate about and what you want to do. I think that there is always this fear that time away from them means – you know, that somehow you're not being a good parent. But I actually think that it's such a great gift to give your children to show them a mom who is happy and professionally satisfied and intellectually challenged and living her best life. And so, you know, there are so many positives to that that I would encourage people to think about those and not just the time away or, you know, the worries and the fears because those can hold us back. They do hold us back. Absolutely. That was like perfect, perfect past the torch wisdom right there. Well, Alicia Fernandez Miranda, thank you so much for coming on the Busy Mumsy podcast. Ashley, it was so nice to meet you. Thank you for having me. I love this. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening to this week's show. Did you like it, Adia? Yes. Oh, the enthusiasm. I love it. Please share your love by giving us a five-star rating, a rockin' review, and please share with any fellow Busy Mumsies. We love hearing from you. So if you want to get in touch, head to the Busy Mumsy show notes for further details and links to the Busy Mumsy website. So long for now. Can you say bye-bye, Adia? Bye-bye, Adia. Yeah. <laughs>